Before we start the program, I want to introduce you to an event that's coming up this August. The Loma Linda Institute of Worship is offering a worship leadership certificate to help leaders and pastors take their congregation's worship experience to the next level. This August 9-12 through 12 event will include presenters Randy Roberts, Adriana Pereira, Nicholas Zork, Wayne Buckner, Richard Hickam, and more, and provide the opportunity to perform on stage with Steve Green and the Heritage Singers. Come sing, pray, write new music, share testimonies and resources, and grow together with like-minded worship leaders from across the world. Go to LLIW.net to register. For those of you who have been joining us throughout this series, the sophisticated and classy art of regifting, you know that we've started each week with an appointment. I left last week with an appointment here. It was going to happen on the stage here with Valentino Corrales. Val, for his friends. Val, are you at? there you are, Val. Come right on up here. It's good to see you, Val. You had a good week? Yes, I did. Why don't you set the gift right out here? There you go. Very good. Val, I'm going to sit down. That way you don't have to look up quite so much. So come on over here, Val. We'll kind of look out that way because there are a couple of people out there. Um, so did you go home and open the gift? Yes. Did you play with it? Yes. Did you like it? Yes. <laughs> this is an easy interview. Um, can you, some, some of these folk may not have been here last week. What was it that you got? A Nintendo. A Nintendo. Switch. Switch. That's a pretty nice gift, I understand. Did you enjoy playing with it? Yes. Do you have any other kids join you? Yes. <laughs> How about parents? Did your parents get into it? No. Oh, the first no we've had. Okay, very good. Now, remember we had an agreement. What was the agreement? Not just meeting here, but what else? Um, to bring, either bring the gift back or bring a different gift back. Ah, we're calling that re-gifting, right? Yes. So some of our friends out here may not know what re-gifting is. Can you explain that to them? Re-gifting is um, gifting something and giving it to someone in need. Ah, very good. That's, I like that definition. Very good. So we're going to bring someone up who, that you're going to give this gift to. Is that okay? Yes. All right. Her name is Soraya Gupton Yanyans. There we go. Here comes Soraya. Very good, Soraya. I'm being attacked by a plant here. Um, come right on up, Soraya. We're glad to see you this morning. Welcome. Now, tell me a little bit about this regifting concept. Would you define it in a different way or the same way? In a different way. Oh, okay. So tell me how you. So let's say, for example, that you need a blanket, but for my birthday, I have I got a new blanket. But I have thousands of other blankets, so maybe uh, I can give that blanket to you, the person in need. Have mercy. That's very good, Soraya. Now, when we finish this, Val and I are going to go sit down, and you just do the sermon. Is that okay? Oh, <laughs> I'm re-gifting you the sermon. <laughs> well, that's a very good definition. So, so Val has brought... I don't know if this is the gift he got last week, which was a very good gift, or if it's a different gift. Val, are you going to give that to her? Yes. <laughs> I like your yeses. Okay. Well, well, why don't you take the paper out, and you can give the paper to, to Val here, and let's find out what's in here. Aha. Uh -huh. That's a very good gift. Why don't you take that box out there? I think I've seen that. That's a great gift. What is it, Soraya? A Nintendo Switch. A Nintendo Switch. Very good. Do you know what that is? 
Yes, because I have the old version of one. Oh, my. <laughs> well, hey, this is all about upgrading, oh, isn't it? Oh, I can play with my cousins. All right. Very good. You've got all kinds of things here. Oh, and a case. Super Mario, you've got everything you need there. You're in good shape, Soraya. Yes, I already have an Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's the good news. Do you know what the even better news is? What? The even better news is I'd like to make an appointment with you for next week. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> so next week, we'll meet right here. Is that okay? Yeah. Now, do you know what I'm going to ask of you? What? I'm going <laughs> to ask you to... I'm going to hold this here because I'm afraid that's going to fall. I'm going to ask you to bring a gift. It can be this gift or it can be a different gift. Will you uh, make that deal with me? Yes. All right. Now you're both saying yes. That's good. <laughs> So this will be a re-gifting gift to you, Val, and then next week we have someone else who's coming up, and you'll get to decide what you're going to do by way of re-gifting. Val, thank you so much. Soraya, thank you so much. God bless you this week. You too. Enjoy that. All righty. <laughs> Very good. Wait, wait, wait. Val, I have something else for you right here. I have a gift for you. We don't want to send you away empty-handed. I think you'll enjoy that. Blessings to you, Val. Thank you. Wait for him to say yes. So some of you are wondering, how do you get to be the last kid <laughs> in this re-gifting? Well, we'll see next week. 2,000 years ago, above the hills and plains of Bethlehem, the angels sang, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Well, exactly on whom does his favor rest? I don't know about you, but it seems to me that everywhere I look, I see not peace but strife. I see not peace but conflict. I see not peace but anger. So on whom exactly does his favor rest? For example, you might take the big view. I did it this last week. I clicked on a website, warsintheworld.com, to find out that there are currently 69 nations at war of some kind. So his favor apparently doesn't rest on those situations. There's war. And then I checked out the United States. And honestly, it depends on which source you consider. But there seemed to be some agreement that we are currently involved in seven wars or conflicts of some kind. Peace? Does his favor not rest on us? His favor doesn't appear to rest on Republicans and Democrats. And I'm not even talking about the big picture. I'm talking about the little people like you and me. Pew Research Center, based on the research that they have done, says this. When it comes to the little people like us, Republicans and Democrats, 64% of Democrats and 55% of Republicans have very few or zero friends across the aisle. We're not talking about Congress or Senate. We're talking about us, tension and strife. 
So apparently his favor doesn't rest there, does it? Or what about your neighbor? Your neighbor with whom you've had so much conflict, so much difference, so much difficulty, you're sitting there thinking, no, 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 his favor doesn't rest on my neighbor. So where does his favor rest? The angel saying, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Well, I'll tell you where his favor rests. It rests on you. Peace is God's gift to you. Jesus came to announce peace to you. Paul said it well in the epistle to the Ephesians when he said that he came to announce peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near. In other words, peace to everybody. But that leaves us with a question. If he has indeed given us his peace, then what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with that gift? I want to take you to a passage of Scripture in the Gospel of Luke that answers that, in my opinion, in as good a way as Scripture answers it. But before we go there, just a brief word of context. We're going to look at a section of a sermon that Jesus preached, just one section of it. It was an important sermon, or he may have preached it more than once, depending on how you read the text. Because the story of a sermon like that is told in Matthew's gospel, a story of a sermon like that is told in Luke's gospel. And there are many similarities, but there are also key differences. For example, in Matthew's gospel, Matthew tells us that Jesus went up on a mountain, sat down, and taught the disciples the Sermon on the Mount. In Luke's gospel, he says Jesus came down from a mountain to a plain and stood up and taught the crowd. So in Luke, it's the Sermon on the Plain. In Matthew's gospel, it's a very spiritual message in many regards. Blessed are the poor in spirit. In Luke's gospel, it's very earthy, very specific and literal. Blessed are the poor. There are similarities and there are differences. The passage we're going to read today is one of the places where this sermon has many similarities, even though even within that there are some differences. Now, let me be clear with you right up front. You will not find the word peace in this passage. But I'll also tell you that as I read and studied the passage, there was a sense of peace that pervaded everything that was said. While Jesus doesn't use the specific word, maybe he is telling us how to be peacemakers through what he here says. Now, the scripture reading read just a few moments ago by Isabel and, and Michaela, we read it from today's New International Version, from this Bible, the Pew Bible that you have in front of you. So I'm going to do something different than what I normally do. I don't normally read the entire passage in a paraphrase, but today I'm going to do that. I'm going to read the passage from Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, The Message. Now, Peterson divides it into three paragraphs. I want to read them one paragraph at a time. I want to give a name, a title, if you will, to each of the paragraphs. So the first paragraph, I would give the title, Love Generously. 
Love generously. So here we go, Luke 6, 27. Jesus is speaking. To you who are ready for the truth, I say this. Love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer for that person. If someone slaps you in the face, stand there and take it. If someone grabs your shirt, gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. If someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit-for-tat stuff. Live generously. Love generously. In fact, what Jesus here says is, love your enemies. That's new. The Old Testament certainly has the command, love your neighbor. It doesn't have this command. In fact, the Old Testament has many prayers for vengeance on enemies. And along comes Jesus and says, love your enemies. And I think... If you consider that, he's really saying, love anybody that crosses your path, even the ones you might naturally dislike. It was G.K. Chesterton who said it well. He said, the Bible says to love your neighbor and to love your enemies because they're generally the same people. <laughs> so we have opportunities for this everywhere we look. You must understand the love statement here. It's not the eros kind of love, the attraction, sexual chemistry kind of love in a marriage. That's not the word used here. It's not the philos kind of love, the brother-sister kind of love. That's not the word used here either. It's the agape kind of love. It has nothing to do with feelings. In fact, my good friend Dale Isaiah said to me last week, reminding me of what Graham Maxwell once said, the Bible says to love others, it doesn't say to like them. There will be a lot of people you don't necessarily like, but to love them with an agape style of love is to desire their best good, even at your personal expense, and that's what Jesus says here. And that, my friends, is deeply challenging. But when you pause and you think, if I live a life where I love generously, I become a peacemaker. Michael Ramsdan, a Christian apologist, was speaking to a group of people, and he was trying to talk to them about peace and what peace actually is. And so he said to them, I want you to do an exercise with me. I want everyone to close their eyes, and they all close their eyes. Close your eyes. Keep them closed for a couple of minutes. And what I want you to do in your mind is to picture peace. What does it look like? And he left them in silence for a couple of minutes with their eyes closed as they were trying to picture what peace looks like. When they opened their eyes, he started going around the group asking them, what did it look like to you? One person said, to me, peace was a high mountain meadow, an alpine setting, the snow-capped mountains jutting up into the sky in the distance. That's peace. Another person said, no, to me, peace is a placid, deep, clean lake where you sit on the dock and enjoy the scene. Yet another one said, no, to me, peace is an open field filled with flowers, the gentle summer breeze caressing the petals. Ramsdan listened to them. And then he said, isn't it curious that when I asked you to picture peace, 
The one thing every one of you did was you got rid of everyone else. Everyone else, out, out. You don't want any people in that because people can be a pain. And so Jesus said, love. Love your enemies. Love generously. And as you love generously, you will sow peace. That's the first paragraph. Second paragraph. I would give it the title, Don't Reciprocate in Kind. Don't reciprocate in kind. Jesus said, here's a simple rule of thumb for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. If you only love the lovable, do you expect a pat on the back? Run-of-the-mill sinners do that. If you only help those who help you, do you expect a medal? Garden-variety sinners do that. If you only give for what you hope to get out of it, do you think that's charity? The stingiest of pawnbrokers does that. Don't reciprocate in kind. Jesus here speaks something that's often been called the golden rule. Understand that similar kinds of statements were made in the ancient world, many of them before Jesus. But they essentially all said the same thing from a negative perspective. If you don't want them doing that to you, then you don't do it to them. How many parents have said that? To their kids. You don't want him hitting you, then you don't be hitting her. That, that's the way you live. That's the way it was said. Jesus came along and took it a significant step further. Wasn't enough just to resist. He called on action. Whatever you wish for them to do for you, you do that for them. Take action. While you're loving generously, don't reciprocate in kind. Have you ever considered how different this world, how different this country would be if we simply followed that? Don't reciprocate in kind. Because you know what happens. Somebody says this, makes someone angry, they say this, they say that, and pretty soon it's out of control anger on everyone. In fact, the comedian and improv actor Patton Oswalt knows something about that. He's used to getting heckled from the audience, people yelling out things. He yells things back. Sometimes it escalates. Everybody thinks it's funny, but some of it's pretty harsh and pretty ugly. He's used to that kind of give and take and the anger that feeds and fuels it. So he knew what to do. He tweeted out something about President Trump, something pretty harsh, pretty ugly. Then there was a Trump supporter named Michael Beatty out there who read it and tweeted something back at him even more harsh. And now the stage was set. Now we just keep escalating this thing, responding in kind. Except that Oswald did something else that time. I want to read it to you in a tweet he sent out after that. Here's his words. Oh, man. This dude just attacked me on Twitter, and I joked back. But then I looked at his timeline, and he's in a lot, capital L-O-T, he's in a lot of trouble health-wise. He's been dealt some terrible cards. Let's deal him some good ones. Click and donate just as I'm about to. And there followed a link to a GoFundMe site that Oswald had set up for Beatty. He set a goal of $5,000.
and donated himself. His followers then clicked and donated, clicked and donated, clicked and donated until just uh, not that long later, that man, Michael Beatty, had over 10 times the goal that Oswald had set. And then it was Beatty's turn to tweet a response. I want to read you his tweet. He tweeted back to Patton Oswalt, You have humbled me to the point where I can barely compose my words. You have caused me to take pause and reflect on how harmful words from my mouth could possibly result in such an outpouring. Now, with your permission, I'd like to restate Beatty's words in my own words. He is saying, how in the world could my anger have resulted in this generosity? I don't understand that. It has me staggered, stunned, with no words to speak. But it has also caused me to stop and consider every word I say. Can you imagine? What if there was a people, a people called the friends of Jesus, who didn't respond in kind, who when the way is open to take a shot, we don't. We instead treat them the way we might wish to be treated. What if there was a people like that? What if this church was characterized that way? Not all the anger and vitriol of social media and of parties clashing and of different goals that are accomplished through fierce anger and power. What if we didn't respond in kind? You know what would happen? The word doesn't appear in this passage, but we would be peacemakers. Peacemakers. Third paragraph. First paragraph, love generously. Second paragraph, don't respond in kind. And then the third paragraph, re-gift the way God gifts. Re-gift the way God gifts. Third paragraph, I tell you, says Jesus, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives towards us, generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind. You be kind. Regift the way God gifts. So how does God gift? What does God do when he extends his grace and his goodness to us? This book is literally filled with verses and chapters that would answer that question. I'm going to give you just one. It's a verse that my father used to quote often. It comes out of Romans chapter 5 when Paul is describing the way God gifted us his grace. It says, but God commends or gives his love to us in this way. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were at our absolute worst, at our abject worst, Christ gifted us 
His grace. So now go re-gift in the way God gifts. So what might that look like? If people were to live in that fashion. One example comes out of Vermont from last year, political race in Vermont, 2018, for a state office, state seat. There was a Republican and a Democrat. Republican Zach Mayo, Democrat Lucy Rogers. They had very different visions, very different answers to the problems, very different directions that they planned to go, but they were both deeply committed to winning the race. They decided, each of them decided this independently, decided, I'm going to knock on every single door of every single household in my district. And so they both did that, knocking on every door, trying to win that race so that they could bring their answer to the issues at hand. How would this turn out? The debate time came and people showed up. They wanted to see. These are very different visions. Now, Zach... And Lucy had decided early in the race, we're going to keep it clean and gracious. Yeah, right. Well, then came the debate. And they debated the issues there on the stage, each giving his or her answer to the problems at hand. It wasn't that, though, that stood out so much. What stood out was what happened at the end of the debate. Because at the end of the debate, Zach Mayo, Republican, took his guitar. Lucy Rogers, Democrat, took her cello, and they serenaded the crowd together. I want to read you what four people said at the end of that. First one, it was very sweet and kind, and it just drew you into a different place. Second, it marked a turning point for us. Third, it gave me a lot of hope. Fourth, it was what we really needed, what we have needed all along. A local news broadcaster told the story and finished the story with these words. Their songs so deeply resonated in northern Vermont that there are actually houses with signs for both candidates. <laughs> it's a clear indication, said the newscaster, that the winner of this race has already been decided, a landslide victory for civility. What a concept. Civility. Don't respond in kind, but re-gift in the way God gives. I don't know what you call that, but I call that people who are sowing peace Sowing peace, sowing peace wherever they go. And so the song wafts across the millennia to us. If you listen, you can almost hear it. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. So on whom does it rest? It rests on you. God has given you the gift of his peace. Peace with himself. Peace to share with others. The only question is, what are you going to do with that gift? If you take generosity and grace 
and humility and treat others with those virtues, you know what you'll be doing? You'll be re-gifting one of God's greatest gifts, the gift of peace.